Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome into another episode of The Rant. Uh, thanks again for all the new listeners who have uh, jumped on board listening to the podcast via Jagoff Sports. Um, if, again, if you haven't checked them out, go ahead and check them out. Uh, again, they do a live podcast uh, type call-in show every Thursday, which uh, I was on the last week. I might be on this Thursday, so today's episode, don't know yet. But uh, check that out um, if you want some cool, funny content and some good uh, topics. Uh, give yourself a laugh. Obviously, it's not safe for work, all of it, um, just like my stuff sometimes. So beware. But that's Thursday nights if you want to check that out. Um, anyway, so today we have a lot of big stuff to talk about. We're going to move in. Um, obviously, today we have the start of the NFL Combine. Starts today, I believe it's... Uh, Quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends today. That starts at, I think, 4 o'clock Eastern for all of my uh, Eastern people out there, or uh, 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., my time out here. So, again, if you're interested in watching the Combine, I know I try to watch it. Not that I can decipher. I think the Combine itself is a waste of time. Right, watching a bunch of guys run around in underwear, you can't really perceive if they're a good player or not. But there are certain drills and there are certain things that you can look at and kind of get a feel for if this person is going to be a good player. It's not the forty. I know everyone wants to watch the forty and talk about, oh, that guy ran a four three. This guy runs a four four. That guy who's an interior lineman ran a four seven. Whatever. That doesn't matter to me. Forty times don't matter to me. Because you might run a 4-4 on tape, but when they watch you play, you're a 4-3 player with the ball in your hands. right? There's, there's intangibles to that. You can't take that. But what you can do is you can watch how their footwork, right? especially when you watch the corner drills or safety drills, you can watch footwork. Footwork translates to the game 100%. Uh, wide receivers, same thing. Watch footwork drills. Um, broad jump, that'll show you explosiveness. Uh, when the vertical jump, you can see how you know how high someone can explode up. Those are all obviously, obviously tangible things. And if you do those things well, and you have the good film to back it up, uh, that can also raise your draft stock and raise your draft capital, so mm -hmm. to speak. But we'll talk about that stuff after. Uh, I'll give you guys my rundown. I'll have my notepad out. I'll write down guys who I think... And we'll have a full uh, episode like I did almost a year ago where I tell you who, if I was drafting what position, who I would go for and what my response would be. So I'll be watching that today. And we'll kind of give you a recap of the quarterbacks, uh, wide receivers and tight ends. I'm going to watch the tight ends because uh, the Steelers will be looking to draft the tight end, I believe, probably in the second or third round. And I'm just going to do that education for myself as we move forward. So. Moving on, though, we have some other big news to talk about in the NFL. Obviously, the CBA agreement is still up in the air. That's probably the biggest thing that's been talked about. Major players have come out and spoken against it. We had Aaron Rodgers come out in a statement and say that he voted no um, on the proposed uh, CBA agreement. So basically what had transpired was the CBA had reached an agreement, and then um, for on the owner side of it, they wrote out what they believe would be a good deal. Then they said, you guys need to vote on it to take it to the next step, basically, to where they can vote 
on if they are going to 100% have a new CBA. The thing is here, there's a lot of misconceptions, and I'm trying to iron those out. Obviously, I talked about the CBA a lot in my last few episodes, so if you haven't listened to those, go ahead and listen to them. But what ultimately we want to get out of this is the players have the weakest union in sports, no doubt about it. The reason that they have the weakest union in sports has nothing to do with the star talent. It has to do with the overall makeup of the league. Okay, The overall makeup of this league consists of ham and eggers. It consists of people who don't make top money, who have an average lifespan of three years in the NFL, and they don't command the money, the dollar, the sponsorships, the overall attraction things that all these big marquee players like the Patrick Mahomes, the Dak Prescotts, I mean, he's on a bunch of yogurt commercials. Like These are the guys that command money because of who they are. Okay, and I know you could be, well, Dak Prescott hasn't made that much money. I understand that, but he's going to. And he has because he's had all these sponsorships because he's been the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. But when you talk about the majority of the league is made up with ham and eggers who do not make big money. So when you're looking at it from a stance of you're going to get 48.5% of revenue, you are also going to get $250,000 to play an extra game in the NFL. That doesn't entice the stars, right? Which is why you had uh, J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers. uh, You had Marquise Pouncey, who was very avident. avident, Oh, geez, can't even talk today. He was hell-bent against it. And um, you, you can see why these guys wouldn't want that. An extra game is extra wear and tear on them. $250,000 is chump change to them. You have all these guys that are hell-bent against it. Uh, Russell Wilson is another guy, hell-bent against it. But those guys are at the top 5% of the league, okay? The average NFL salary. Now, I would have not guessed it would have been this, but it is. The average NFL salary, I thought it would be a little bit lower, in all honesty. I said probably around a little bit lower than this number, and this may shock some of you. It's $860,000 a year, okay? That is not a lot of money when you think about who the NFL's top money makers are. When you think about the big quarterback contracts being $35 million or $40 $40 million a year, right? $860,000 is nothing. And on top of that, they're set to make $250,000 just playing one game. Everyone's going to make $250,000 in one game. The owners were super smart in implementing that into the contract because we... People who hear about these big money deals, about these big free agent signings, and about these people that when they get up to the contract negotiations, they make millions of dollars, and we scoffed at $250,000. But the ham and eggers 
the guys that make up the majority of the league, like I said, the league average salary is $860,000 a year, meaning that if they were to make $250,000 by playing just one game, they would make over 30% of their annual salary in one game. That has enticed the owners or enticed the players, rather. The owners have enticed the players, the ham and eggers, the guys that are the journeymen in this league, the guys that make up the majority of the NFL, to side with them. It was the smartest move that could have possibly been done, is to have that little caveat of $250,000 for playing an extra game. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter. The big-name guys are upset. The big-name guys are saying they're getting screwed. And yes, it's 100% true. They are getting screwed. And in fact, if even if I was a Ham and Ager guy, I would try to listen to the veteran leadership. Marquise Pouncey came out and said, the veterans in the room need to help these guys out financially so that we can have a lockout, basically. He was a lot more vulgar and a lot more not safe for work, if you want to take a listen to what he had to say. But he's right. The, if you want to do this, if you want to walk out, if you want to have a strike, you, the leaders who make millions and millions of dollars, need to sit down with the younger guys who have no money at all and who are obviously on board for making $250,000 in one game, hence them being 30% of their overall salary, they want that money. They want the $250,000. But Marquise Pouncey and a lot of other guys coming out, and, and Pouncey was the only guy to really say this, they need to do a better job of helping these young guys financially so they can support a walkout and, and support making a stand against ownership, but that's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. It just isn't. The majority of leagues made up of guys who don't make that money. And those guys, and, and, and not only that, the majority of the league is made up with guys who aren't good with money, period. These are guys who went from having almost nothing to making lots of money all of a sudden, and they do stupid things with it. That's why the owners will always have leverage over over the players. Because guess what? They're multi-billionaires, and if they don't make money in a year, they'll be upset about it, but they'll be fine. They all usually have other businesses. They all usually have other ways of making money. Their eggs aren't in one basket. They invest their money. They're going to be fine. But these guys who... And, it, and honestly, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy because these guys come into the league whether you're a rookie, whether you've been drafted in the first round, whether you've been drafted in the fifth round, doesn't matter. You come into the league, and you're making a little bit of money. Obviously, we can go down the pay scale, and obviously first-round picks are obviously making more money than the fifth-round guy. But they go into a locker room, and they see veterans who've been making millions of dollars throughout their career, driving Lamborghinis, driving Mer a Mercedes-Benz full lo fully loaded E-classes, driving whatever you want to, you know, insert amazing car here, look at my fancy watch, look at my fancy clothes, look at all this money I have, flaunting it all around, and they somehow, and, and I understand that it's probably a slippery slope, you go in there and you say, I'm a professional ball player now. I can't drive my Toyota Camry. I can't drive my whatever car I have. I can't wear these clothes. I have to have fancy stuff because now I'm in the league. I have to represent myself and be a football player. I got to act like I have money because people around me all know I'm in the NFL and they must think 
I have money, which might not honestly be the case. You're making more money than you've probably ever made before, but that doesn't mean you have the financial stability to go out and start blowing money on Maseratis and fancy clothes. But they see people in the locker room who are doing that same thing. So these people that have never had money think they need to do and buy all these status symbols to you know assimilate themselves in the locker room, and now they've not spent their money wisely. And granted, now these same veteran players are telling them, hey, by the way, you guys should get your money correct because we're about to walk out. And it's fine. I'm fine. I'm a multimillionaire. But you, who've been making you know $850,000 on average a year, probably aren't fine with sitting out a year because the you know the lifestyle you've become accustomed to is now too expensive to survive a year without pay. And the owners know this every time. And that's why in 2011, when the same thing happened again, they gave them a shitty deal and they took it because ultimately these guys cannot, they just can't, they can't sustain themselves for a year. They're bad with money. The majority of these guys in the league are bad with money. The difference is this. If you go from not having enough money to survive, growing up in a poor neighborhood, you know, you go to college, you go in the NFL. Now you have more money than you've ever had before. Anyone your whole family's ever had before. People are asking you for money. Your family's asking you for money. You buy your mom a house. You buy your dad a car. Pretty soon, what do you have left for yourself? Probably not a whole awful lot. But then the NFL comes and dangles a carrot over your head and says, hey, we're going to pay you $250,000, which, by the way, is 30% of your overall salary, which is a 30% cut, a bonus, basically. It'd be like a huge Christmas bonus check to play one additional game and you and extra playoff games. And by the way, you can smoke weed now. These are things that makes the billionaires negotiating against millionaires and not obviously not millionaires since the average salary is $860,000 a year. This is why they have the leverage. And this is why this is never going to work. This is why the walkout, the strike is never going to happen. The majority of the league, and that's why people... I've heard it so many times throughout the media. So many times people have said the same thing to me over and over and over again. I've heard it on the radio. I've heard it in person. I've heard it all over the place. They need to be stronger. They need to walk out. Yeah, I'm sure. They really need to. Yes, that sounds great. They should have guaranteed contracts. It's crazy to me that guaranteed contracts aren't negotiated in this in this negotiation. I feel like at least, especially for the younger guys who I'm talking about right now, that would be my biggest concern. If I'm a younger guy who averages three years in the league, and I know for a fact right now my average salary is $860,000 a year, and that guaranteed contract isn't guaranteed at all, which means if I get hurt, they can yank that money away from me, and I still consistently play this game, is nuts. If I'm one of these ham and egg guys, I say, yeah, I'm down for 17 games. I'm down for whatever you want, but holy shit, we need guaranteed contracts. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because that affects everybody. The major stars in this league are going to get those type of deals every time. We've seen it happen in recent, in recent history with these most recent big deals being struck in the NFL. Those stars get guaranteed money because they can command it. Because it's supply and demand. They're the best at their position. They can demand a guarantee contract. But a ham and agger who is just a special teams guy 
or a second string player is not going to command a guaranteed contract. In fact, he has no leverage whatsoever to try to get that deal. So what he needs to do is go here in the CBA and say, listen, I'm on board for everything you're talking about. I want $250,000. I want all of that stuff. But you need to make my contract guaranteed because if I get hurt, I'm shit out of luck. I have no money and I'm screwed. And the fact that that's not even being negotiated in the CBA is mind-blowing to me. It makes zero sense. that, And that's something that affects everyone. It affects everyone in the league which is what a union should do. If you're a unionized group of people, you want what is best for everybody. What is best for ever, everybody at all times, right? A rising tide raises all ships, and that's what a union is supposed to do. It's supposed to help everybody. And I get it. You got guys like Marquise Pouncey out here trying to preach that we want what's best for everybody. And I agree with Pouncey. But what I don't agree with Pouncey is that's not going to happen because there's guys in a locker room who aren't willing to take on the financial burden that younger and more uh, lesser players have in this league. They, they just aren't going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. So what you need to do is you need, if you're going to try to convince those guys, you better come up with, the, the union better come up with some sort of payment plan in in this situation where you say, hey, we'll, the union will support you. We'll get like a mutual, a player's mutual fund. Like, a, like what I have at work, we have a mutual fund where you everyone pays into it and if you have a shitty like you have an accident something happens right you can't you have a, you know your daughter needs some crazy surgery they you can go and borrow money interest free from the mutual fund if the union puts something like that in place for all younger players and all lesser players who make less money than these major guys and anyone could tap into this this mutual fund and then pay it back interest free once the walk once the lockout was done, that's something a union should do. That's something unions should get behind. But you've heard zero talk of any of this. You've heard zero talk besides Marquis Pousy saying it that this would happen. And in fact, in the recent vote, you've had more for than against the proposed CBA. In fact, we've heard in the news that this CBA could be agreed upon in less than a few days. And if that's what the union wants, it seems like they're leaning towards that, obviously. But for some reason, this union is not educated enough to try to sit there and try to command these people and give them an opportunity to fight against what they what most players are deeming a bad deal. And it is a bad deal. I'm not agreeing with the deal at all. And I feel like out here in the media, you only have one or two responses. You're either allowed to say, yes, this is a great deal. They should take it. Or no, this is a terrible deal inside with the players. And you can't sit in the middle ground. I'm 100% in the middle here. I can see both sides of the argument. I can see why people agree with it, and I can see why people don't agree with it. I think on paper it's probably a shitty deal, but I could see for the guys that make $860,000 a year why they would be okay for it, why they would like that, why they would side with that side of the union. I can totally understand that. But there's 100 things that I would raise questions about, and I would want answers to. I want to know why guaranteed contracts aren't even talked about, not even mentioned once in the CBA agreement. I want to know why my revenue went from 55% to 48.5% over the course of uh, 60 years. What kind of union negotiates when you have 55% control over the ownership? Since the union was founded, they negotiated their first Ever when the CBA was founded, 55% of revenue went to the players. 
Now 47%, and now they're negotiating back to 48.5%. Flash forward 60 years later, how on earth can you be a good union when you lose your biggest bargaining chip at the beginning? You kept negotiating more money going to billionaires over time. That just shows me that this union is terrible. This is the worst union in sports. They're the only sports, professional sports entity in America that doesn't guarantee money. They're the only professional sports entity that somehow continues to lose leverage against billionaires. They have a weak union that doesn't side with the players. If you want to side with the players, do what's best for everyone. Guaranteed contracts benefits everyone. And more so, it benefits the ham and eggers, the guys who make $860,000 a year. If you could tell those guys and say, listen, vote no here because we're going we're gonna to go just after this year, we're going to go and we're going to push hard for guaranteed contracts. That's going to benefit everybody. So I don't know. I don't know what to I don't know what to tell you anymore with the CBA. It looks like it's just going to be agreed upon and we're going to have a new CBA where there's going to be a 17 game season, there's going to be two extra playoff spots coming in 2021. That's that's what it really really looks like it's like what's going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be a lockout. I would if I had to bet, I'd bet a lot of money that it never happens. Because I don't believe these players can stand losing a year without making any money. I wholeheartedly believe in my heart that almost the majority of these players cannot sustain a year without making any money. They've become, all these ham and eggers have become accustomed to living a life, you know, that they that they deem they need to live. A very, you know, bougie lifestyle. And that bougie lifestyle will not be able to be sustained because they won't be making any money during a lockout. And I hope that the Marquise Pounceys of the of the world can get together and really help these guys financially. Like I said, a mutual fund, a union mutual fund. I don't know why that does not exist. I don't know why you can't you can't just everyone put money in a pot and give those lesser guys just a little bit of money to get by for a year. That makes wholehearted sense to me. You'll never see it happen, though. You will never see it happen. Because most of these guys are pretty selfish when it comes to their money. And the guys that are at the top don't want to support the guys at the bottom. And the guys at the bottom don't care about the guys at the top bitching that the deal sucks because they want money. So I guarantee you there will not be a walkout. There will not be a strike. The CBA will be signed sooner rather than later. Anyway, we have some other news. Uh, it's come out today that Tom Brady has apparently um, been talking with other people, and it seems like he is most likely, from what uh, Adam Scheffner reported today, not going to resign with the Patriots. I don't know how true any of that is. I don't know what the you know where the sources are coming from, but most people, from what I've read on Twitter and online, and everything else, there will not be Tom Brady in New England this year, from what sources are telling me. He is planning on taking his talents elsewhere, whether that means he's going out to L.A. to play for the Chargers, whether that means he's going to go play for the Raiders or play for Tennessee, who I've heard mentioned a few times, is uh, going to you know have to be seen in the future here. 
Like I said, we have a lot of quarterbacks on the market. Lots and lots of quarterbacks. I don't know who's going to go where. No, like, no, nobody, from what I've heard, and, and this is the only really free agency where I've hadn't heard names connected to anybody. I've heard rumors, but those rumors are, the rumorville has been pretty inconsistent. I know Vegas has odds on where they think Brady will go. I wonder if those have changed. Last time I saw those were a few months ago. I'll have to look those up and get you guys those odds for the next show. And we'll take it from there. But the news is Brady will most likely, from what uh, Adam Scheffner is reporting, not be returning to New England. So I don't know. I heard for most of it, though, was because the Patriots wanted Brady for one more year, and Brady didn't want to sign a one-year contract. He wants a two-year contract. And of that ilk, the two-year contract that I have heard mentioned in you know the stratosphere was that the Raiders had offered Brady, um, not obviously an official offer, but had said that they were willing to give Brady two years for $60 million. I don't know if that's something he's interested in. I wouldn't want to go play for the Raiders if I was Brady. I talked about that at nauseum on this program. But that's what I've heard. So we'll keep an eye on that as it transpires. Again, uh, i am got the NFL Network on right now um, as we speak, getting ready for all the uh, the combine interesting stuff. I'm going to be looking uh, at the running back position, at the tight end position heavily. Uh, so I want to do my Steelers draft analysis. I'll be able to give you guys my opinion on who they should draft. Uh, I know there's a whole bunch of people on Twitter already talking about running backs. I think the running back from Florida State is the only running back to have a actual meeting with the Steelers at the Combine. I don't take that, you know, as that's who they're going to get because a lot of times they never met with players at the Combine and they draft them. So that doesn't have anything to do with them. A lot of times they like to go to the pro days instead and have conversation with guys. So we'll wait and see how that transpires. I'm not taking anything I read right now um, verbatim until I myself start looking at guys. I myself start reading who, you know, Kevin Colbert likes and all that stuff. So I will get that out there for you Steeler fans in the future. But for now, we'll just be, uh, checking out everybody who's out there right now, which again is quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. And this apparently from what I've read and what I've seen and who I've talked to, this is probably one of the deepest, wide receiver drafts uh, in recent memory, there's probably about four guys that are uh, first-round caliber players, meaning that you can get some good talent in the second and third rounds. I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers go that route as well, seeing that they have a, a history of drafting wide receiver very well. And uh, they can probably get someone who they would probably have really high on their board any other year in this year. So that's also something to, uh, that I'll be watching and I'll have my notepad out taking notes on who I like, who I didn't like, that and um, and everything else going forward. So again, thanks a lot, guys, for listening. Uh, again, remember to check out uh, jagoffsports.com. That's, uh, they got great blogs, great videos, uh, great, great content to go out and check it out. Um, if you're from Pittsburgh or if you're not from Pittsburgh, if you just want a funny media source to check out some sports-related topics, definitely go and check out jagoffsports.com. 
thanks a lot for listening to my stuff. I remember I'm going to be putting out more stuff as the draft moves forward, as I make my kind of not so much a board, but I'll be going through reading about players who I like at the positions, who I think's the best player here, there, whatever. And I'll be keeping you guys up to date on all that stuff as we go forward. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Remember to share the podcast with friends, families, cousins, dogs, uncles, aunts, whoever. Um, remember to uh, follow me on Instagram at the rant with Eli, where I post all my episodes. You can know if you follow me on Instagram when I'm gonna post when I post a new episode, so you know exactly when it's it's been posted. You can see it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the rant Eli, and you can email me the rant Eli at gmail.com. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Appreciate it, and I'll see you when I see you.